And welcome back to Bacon Wire, an MSU sports podcast here on the Big Banter Podcast Network. Uh, we have Carter here uh, joining us today in place of our in place of our friend, our partner, our family, Lucas Whitney. We have Asa with touchlines and touchdowns. I, I would not presume to replace anybody, but I'm, 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 I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks guys. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is it. We made it. Uh, football season is here. Finally, uh, no matter how any of us may feel about it and we're going to talk about it. So, uh, but first, um, guys, I, I lost something near and dear to my heart, um, over the past few weeks and, uh, if you guys will just entertain me here for a second. I just wanted to um, give a quick in memoriam. This goes out to the quality dairy on the corner of Harrison and Michigan Avenue. Uh, a heavy, heavy loss indeed. That was my local quality dairy. I lived off of Harrison for my final two years at MSU. And it was, it was my go-to. If I woke up late for class, I could stop there for coffee and a donut. If I ran out of beer at a tailgate or at a party, I could. it took me 20 minutes round trip to go there, grab more, and come back. If I needed ice cream after flunking an exam, quality dairy was there. And I am going to miss it. I miss it dearly. And future students who pass whatever liquor and vape shop is replacing it, um, we'll, we'll never understand just how special that quality dairy was. All right. I got to agree. I got to agree that, that I, you know, when I worked at IM West the past couple of years of my time at Michigan state, you know, I always either stopped there before or after for a, for a quick snack, whether I was going to the shift or getting off to go back to my apartment. It was always, it was always the place you stop. It was always, always open late at night. And, uh, yeah, RIP, RIP to that. So now that that's out of the way, um, let's start the meltdown. Uh, so uh, yesterday, Justin Thind uh, released his uh, projected too deep um, for the for the opening game of the 2023 season against Western Michigan or Central Michigan, excuse me. At the time of publishing, that game is in five days. Um, I'm not sure anything's going to change from the time we're recording until publishing. They hardly release day of depth charts. So I'm assuming nothing's going to, no announcement's going to be made there. Um, but he does project Noah Kim starting. And I have to say, um, that would be an unmitigated disaster for him. And that's nothing about Noah Kim's, that's nothing about Noah Kim as a person. That's nothing about Noah Kim as a Spartan. Um, it's really not even anything about Noah Kim's skill level. It's the optics of holding a quarterback competition and going with the guy who's just been in the program longer is, is quite frankly abhorrent. And I would feel differently if the word out of East Lansing was, 
oh, you know, Kate Hauser, he's showing flashes, but he's still raw. He's still a year away. He needs more time. He's not ready. Right? I would be totally fine if that were the case. But Stephen Brooks went on Lockdown Spartans Monday and said, basically, if Noah Kim was on the one-yard line to win the starting job, Kate Hauser was on, like, the two or the three. I'm okay with giving up six feet. For someone who, for someone who has the intangibles Keaton Hauser has. And, you know, we could do the stars argument, but that's just going to fall on deaf ears to the people who want Noah Kim to start because the people who want Noah Kim to start are the same people who still think stars don't matter. So it is what it is. But, like, I don't know how Mel Tucker can justify not starting a quarterback he recruited until year six of his year six of his tenure potentially. And not to mention the message it sends to recruits where, you know, you could be, you could be supremely talented. You could be this. You're still going to, we're going to go with the safer option. It's it unmitigated disaster is what I have to say. That's all I have to say. I don't think I'd go as far as to call it an unmitigated disaster, but I think it could raise a level of concern again, not with, not with Kim, not with Hauser, but with the staff, not willing to take risks. Like you're playing this sort of safe option in a year where you're coming off of uh, missing a bowl game. Like what, what are you, what are you playing safe from? I mean, you know, personally, I don't, I don't understand really any of the the upside or benefit of starting Noah Kim, especially when one, he's not your own guy. Two, he's gone after this year. Three, again, what Spartan Duck said, it's very concerning. The message that it sends to recruits is like, if you come here, you're not going to play. <laughs> like, you're going to get recruited here to to just ride the bench to a a guy who was a late stage D'Antonio pickup that he wanted to pull another Kirk Cousins on. So I, that's sort of where I am with it. Of course, you know, we, we're not going to, um, we're not going to slander Noah Kim. We're not going to, you know, hope he fails or whatever, if he does end up being the starter. But also what I took away from Justin's, um, the too deep, what he said was it's like, he doesn't anticipate this to end after Central Michigan. And I don't think anyone thought it was going to. Like, I think we all know that Central Michigan and Richmond are essentially extended practices scrimmages to see who gets the upper hand to play against Washington which is the the real test of who gets it for uh the rest of the season um to me this is a very 2013 Michigan State type of situation where Noah Kim is like the Andrew Maxwell of this and uh Hauser's the the Connor Cook where It'll be Maxwell. It'll be it'll be it'll be Noah Kim at first, and then in a couple weeks you'll see who the who the top guy is who will end up leading them to uh, to where they need to be. Um, so and I'm probably gonna stop. I'm probably gonna stop with the quarterback situation until the season starts because I know everybody's sort of sick of of hearing about it at this point. So I'm gonna I'm actually gonna take a contrarian point of view here, um, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why. First things first. Um, because it makes for better media and, and therefore that's, that's what we should be doing here. But, but I actually do sort of believe this, not that I think that Noah Kim is the better quarterback. Cause I, I haven't watched practices. I don't know, 
What I do know is that when people talk about Noah Kim, they talk about him as fast. Um, and if he's fast and if he's escapable and we don't love our wide receivers ability to get open, which I, we haven't gotten there, but I mean, obviously it, it wouldn't be a stretch to say that we will need some time before we're confident in that. Um, the idea that someone can extend plays with their legs is, is a massive asset. Um, I actually, I actually think 2013 is, is a good example because uh, Andrew Maxwell was the four star and, uh, and Connor Cook was the sort of nondescript three star. Um, but the difference between them is that Connor Cook was absolutely willing to take off and Connor and Andrew Maxwell uh, quite famously only ever took off once. And it was on fourth down and 13 to end the game against Notre Dame. Um, so I, I, I'm not, I'm not sold on Kim because we've only ever seen him in nothing moments. Um, he was very good in those nothing moments. Um, but if the reports about him are accurate regarding his speed uh, and his escapability, then I, I don't hate the idea of giving him the first shot, especially knowing that you're breaking in uh, essentially an entirely new receiving core. Um, if it turns out, I, and, and this is maybe getting ahead of myself, and I know quarterbacks are always the, the top line. If it turns out that the offensive line, the tight ends, and the running backs are as good as people seem to think they are, then I'm less certain that Noah Kim is the right answer. Because then what you really do need is you need the guy who can stand back there, be a little bit of a statue, and spread the ball around to the right guys. Um, if Nathan Carter is not Kenneth Walker the fourth, and if Malik Carr still doesn't block, and if the, the, the tackles are not as good as we seem to think they are, then I love the idea of Noah Kim because Noah Kim can, you know, he's going to get sacked for 15 yards instead of five, but he'll also make plays in a way that perhaps pre-injured Brian Lewerke did, um, who, is, who is sort of my best comp for a Noah Kim based on my understanding. See, I, my issue here is that a lot of people are comparing this to 2013. A lot of people are comparing this to what Michigan did last year, right? The, the problem is, is that the staff in those, both those situations, I don't, I don't think the staff can rightfully claim, either staff can rightfully claim that they knew that they truthfully had no idea who they thought the better quarterback. Like, you saw Connor Cook basically single-handedly win, win a bowl game for you the year before. I'm not sure what else you needed to see. And you clearly, in Harbaugh clearly, clearly, clearly was jonesing to put J.J. in there. And it was honestly to Cade's detriment. So I'm not like... I don't think extending the battle into the season is, is the best thing. If you're going to pussy out and start Kim, pussy out and start Kim. Don't commit to it. Don't don't switch them out every other series. Don't switch quarters. You already know they already know who they want. Like I've been around enough coaches to know they make up their minds pretty fast. Like there's no there's no ifs ands or buts. They know who they want to start. And they're doing this to try to prevent any portal shenanigans. But I'm going to tell you right now, the staff knows who, who, they, who they think should start. The team knows who they think should start. 
and Noah Kim and Kate Hauser know who's going to start. And you better believe that they'll, that that loser has their DMs open. Oh yeah. That whoever has the short end of the stick on that in that competition has DMs open. So you're losing one of them anyway. Just rip the band-aid off. Extending this into September does nothing but buy you plausible deniability. Man up and pick your fucking quarterback and stand behind it. I kind of I I I definitely agree with you in the sense that they should make this decision by September. Like, yes, I understand that it's it's uh, Central Michigan and Richmond, but the more either way, you know, the more consistency you have um, is just so much better for your team. Uh, the thing is, is, we're seeing starting quarterbacks be named all around the country. Uh, we even saw. Also, I thought it was so weird when I think it was Rainer Sabin who said there was pressure on Michigan State for uh, Peyton Thorne being named the starter at Auburn. I just think that people who who say like, oh, Michigan State is is going to struggle this year. They lost their starting quarterback. If you think Peyton Thorne is a loss, you were not watching Michigan State last year. You you saw him sail throws, have choppy footwork, decide to not throw to the open guy in favor of someone who's double covered. It was just an absolute, like when Kenneth Walker was taken out of the situation for Peyton Thorne, he absolutely crumbled last season and was a huge reason why they did not go to a bowl game last year. So that just is to me, people not paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, so just, just on that, the, the, the point of pick a guy and go with him. I'm, I'm cool going with, sort of figuring it out in central at, at central in the first half um shoot into the second half richmond should be a dress rehearsal for washington um and and so i'm i'm okay i'm okay with with letting central michigan be a a, a dress rehearsal and a last a last sort of shot but you're right i mean as the you're right they know who they want i mean i i coach basketball right now um at the high school level we we sort of are going through tryouts now who's going to start who's not we know who we want to start we just don't know if if that kid is going to make it so that, um, you know, the kid who we didn't pick is going to make it impossible for us not to start. And I think that's the situation that, that, that coach Tucker is in. I think that they are, look, they would like to start the more experienced guy because that's how coaches work, right? Like you want the guy who's put in the time, but I think that they're, they're sort of in the back of their head saying, okay, Kate, make it not a discussion, make us look really dumb in front of our team. If we go with the other. And that's what I think the the situation is right now. They're they they want Caton to make it not a discussion, and by all accounts, either to Noah's credit or to Caton's detriment, he hasn't. Yeah, and it's the point. I think it's also similar to what happened with uh, Thorne and Russo in twenty twenty one. They went with Thorne because he was the guy protecting the football, playing mistake free football, whereas Anthony Russo was a little bit uh, loose with it gunslinging a little bit and uh turning the ball over and they're just they just don't want that and i don't i don't think i necessarily always agree with that um having the you know having the feet uh, just with a consistent what do you call it, like consistent like check down charlie or whatever compared to the feast or famine guy i'd rather swing big especially in a season if I know Michigan. I know they don't listen to outside noise, but people kind of overall project Michigan State to be not that good. So why not use this year to build up your young guys and get them real game reps for when you are hoping to compete next season or the year after that? And 
And with that too, like this is different than 2021 also because that was essentially year one, right? We talk about yeah. 2020 being this year zero mm-hmm. for Mel Tucker and his staff. So of course, in the in in the first year of a coach's tenure, he's going to go with the more experienced guys. But the way the staff talks about Peyton Hauser and the way this battle is reported makes me feel like I'm fucking taking crazy pills because Jay Johnson will go up there. It's just like last season with the, with the, Oh, we have Daniel Barker. Now we could bust the playbook wide open. Like it's the same fucking thing where they get up there and they go, Oh, Keaton has it all. He has the intangibles. He's got a high football IQ. You know, he's a leader, you freakish know, arm. freakish arm, all the things anyone looks for in a quarterback from fucking top Warner to the NFL, this kid has it. And like Justin, even in Justin's reporting, he's like, Kate Hauser has killed it in the scrimmages. Noah Kim has looked slightly better in practice. It's just like the scrimmages are the closest you're going to get to live games. <laughs> don't you want the guy who looks better in the live games? I don't like it. It, it fries my brain. Like, because obviously the beat reporters want Kim to start because the beat reporters hate MSU. So they don't like Finn and the chief. Right. Exactly. They, do not. They, they know where they know where I MS, They don't like MSU Twitter. They know what the majority of MSU Twitter personalities want. So they're going to craft a narrative to, to contradict that because they know that Kim's probably going to start and they want to look like the smart guys. They're not smart. They just graduated college before 2008. That's it. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that there's also a certain element and I, you know, our beat reporters are what they are. I don't really need to get into that, um, to that fight. Um, but I think that realistically, there is an element of of our our guys knowing Noah Kim for a really long time. And by all accounts, like he is a really nice kid who is a very smart, very thoughtful. Um, like if you if you look back on like the guys that our our beat guys really really like, it's not the best players. It's the ones who gives them what they want in the easiest fashion. And Noah Kim, by all accounts, is very very loquacious and eloquent. And like. Yeah, it's probably better to have the kid who's going to give you a lot of great quotes after a win or a loss than to go with the guy who's probably more football speaky. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm sure they like Noah Kim because he'll talk to Solari for 45 minutes rather than go to Spiro's basement in Novi, wherever he lives, for an episode of the podcast. So, like, I I get that completely. They they like who they have access to. Um. But ultimately, like, ultimately, I, I, if you're going to start Noah Kim, and this will be a perfect transition to our, to our season preview. If you're going to start this, um, if you're going to start Noah Kim the whole season, you better fucking beat Michigan. There are big expectations. That's the thing. If, if, if this is the guy, he better be the fucking guy. And if you're not sure, then we've all said we would rather go six and six with Kane Hauser than seven and five with Noah King. Absolutely. This doesn't offer you upside. Kim doesn't offer you upside. Uh, so 
so Lucas's Lucas's thoughts. He he has been texting me. Um, he he thinks the following is going to happen. He thinks it's going to go a little a little bit the same as the uh, as the uh, as the Michigan competition last year was. Um, he's calling Kim starts CMU. Hauser starts Richmond. Uh, who's ever the better performer uh, in that game is going to be the starter for Western. All right. So, yeah, I, mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, like, Peyton Thorne, I, I will say this to loop it back around before we get into our season preview. Uh, Peyton Thorne being named the starter at Auburn uh, carries as um, – as much weight uh, as as like I I'm struggling to find an analogy here. It doesn't carry any weight at all. No, <laughs> no. The quarterback battle on the plains is a lot less contested than the one going out in East Livingston last year. I will say that. So let's transition now now into our season preview. So everyone knows. This is a fucking beast of a schedule. Sure is. Uh, three, three, three preseason top ten team. Uh, four preseason top ten teams. Five, five preseason ranked teams. Um, have to go on the road in Minnesota in late October. Um, have a neutral site game against Penn State, where any weather advantage is nullified. Um, you know, this is, this is, this may be the toughest non-SEC schedule in the country. I, I'll say that right now. I'll put it out there. It's brutal. It's brutal, no doubt. So, you know, I, I do think expectations need to be tempered. I'll say that out. I'll say that up front right now. Especially with so many new pieces, like in so many different places. Right. There there has been little consistency. Um so let's let's get into it. Let's go game by game. We'll start we'll start Friday, September first, um, against Central Michigan. Um Central Michigan was not a good team last year. Um they were um at the lower third of the MAC, um, they were so bad that uh, Jim McElwain hopped on to uh, Central's Central's message board <laughs> and and promised improvement for this season. Uh, they lose Lou Nichols the third, um, and first game back, um, everyone's gonna feel the vibes. Um, so I, you know, I think this is a game MSU got, should win very easily. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I'm not even sure, like, I haven't paid attention to Central at all. I don't know who's on their team. Um, I think they just had another guy go to the NFL. I can't think of who, but I think they had somebody drafted on either the second or third day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't anticipate anything from them. 
I mean, they did lose to Western last year, so um, I would, yeah, I would anticipate that no matter who starts at quarterback, who's out there at wide receiver, no matter what, this should be. I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna learn their mistake from last year's game where they kind of let Western hang around, and they're not gonna let, they're not gonna let Central hang around this year. This one should be over with and done pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, I, I think oh, so as well. Yeah. Um. So I, I think really it's it's not about the the outcome as far as I'm concerned because I, I think that you know short of Antonio Brown and Dan Lefevre being on the other sideline, which I don't think they are, um, you know the, the outcome should should never really be in doubt. What I'm much more interested in is how we get to there, right? Like our our Nathan Car is Nathan Carter going for a, 120 in the first half? Is is Jalen Berger, you know, and and Jaden Mangum, um, are are they the ones sort of? handling the third and fourth quarter because we don't need our starters there. Our, is our offensive line just sort of getting whatever they want? And beyond the, and 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 the reverse of that is is our defensive line just handling business the way that they should, right? Is it just no running lanes and when they drop back to pass there's pressure. Um that's what I'm looking for. But yeah, I mean this that should be a win. And if it's not, we've got much larger problems. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, if that's a win, if Central wins this game, um Satire. This is satire. Um, I will be looking for cabins in remote Montana. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if 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 Central wins that game, then uh, my, my the first tweet you see from me will be um, hashtag basketball school, and I won't tweet again until until uh, James Madison on on November sixth. <laughs> yeah. So uh, next, um, Carter, uh, Lucas also has this game as a win. Uh, so let's let's go ahead next week, uh, September 9th versus Richmond. Um, you know, Spiders, FCS opponent, you know, here's your money. Take the ass kicking, go home. You know, this is what it is. Yep, same thing. Should cruise. Uh, yeah, no, no issues there. Harkening uh, back to our earlier discussion, would love to have one of the quarterbacks play the entire first half uh, as the unquestioned starter at the, uh, by this point. Right. And so now the, the first big test of the season. Um, Washington, Washington comes into Spartan Stadium, uh, 5 p.m. On, uh, on the cock, Peacock. Uh, so uh you know who knows um i've been waiting to use this joke all off season uh marcus is pretty known for sticking his penis in our down our throats so you know i don't know but traveling cross country i think she had made this point traveling cross country is really fucking hard um you know I know Arizona State, but like we dominated them the entire time. That was just like uh that's like when you're that's like when your dog starts shitting in the house again. Your senior dog, you know? So uh if they were if if they were any semblance of of a D'Antonio team, Arizona State would have been would have been laughed out of the stadium. Here, um I don't know. They're a future conference opponent. This will be an interesting. Um, I think this will be an interesting test run for what we can expect from the West Coast Big Ten teams traveling east um, in the future, especially the top ones like USD in, in Washington and in Oregon. Um, 
I think I think we're gonna lose this game. I think I think Washington is gonna win, but I think MSU is probably gonna cover just because they have to travel so far, and it's at a weird it's at a weird time, and all that. I Washington is very talented. They have, I think, like three ish like first round talents at wide receiver. Michael Penix has obviously been a problem for us for like the last 14 years. Uh, I know they just lost a running back and they have an okay defense. They're, they're projected to be pretty good this year. Um, but I do think that there is a pathway for Michigan state to win this game. It starts with, you have to find quarterback consistency and you have to, I believe you actually have to keep Penix within. I think you have to keep him within structure as opposed to letting him get outside and sort of work his magic. I think that is kind of what he's done to us the past couple of years. Um, there will finally be some defensive uh, consistency, hopefully uh, everybody being healthy, you know, knock on wood because last year was kind of a nightmare in that realm. Uh, and that was part of the reason why Washington was able to bomb on us from deep with their, Passing attack uh, this year, that should not be the case. As bad, I assume it'll still be impactful. Um, I'm going to stick myself out there. I think Michigan State pulls us upset. I think that they get out to an early lead. Washington kind of comes back, but Michigan State finally has the run game and the offensive line play to be able to sustain drives to hold them off. That's my that's my first kind of big one. Um, so I'm, I'm with Carter actually. And I, I was, I was hoping to be able to, to say, to, to pull a Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend, but, um, <laughs> but I, so here's what I think. And I, this is very feelings ball. Um, and, and yeah, I, I wish I, yeah, like, I wish I could tell you like, oh, like because of X, Y, and Z, I think that what is going to change from last year to this year is fairly simple. Um, going into that game, we, we structured our defense last year around the idea that Xavier Henderson knew what he was supposed to be doing and what everybody else was supposed to be doing. Um, and, and a lot of what we did was predicated on that offensively. A lot of what we did was predicated on the idea that Thorne and Reed made things. Okay. Right. Like even if your running game wasn't great, Thorne and Reed made things. Okay. Well, we didn't have Reed and we didn't have Henderson and suddenly things don't work. Um, I think that we, we have a year since then. Um, I think that we've learned some lessons, I hope. Um, but I also think, and, and somewhat more importantly than, than the Xavier Henderson, we didn't have Jacob Slade for that game. Yeah. And Michigan State, traditionally, you know, you, you, you defend inside out, right? Stop the run, then stop the pass. We couldn't stop the run last year. Um, don't even need to start talk about the pass under, under Scotty Hazleton and, and Mel Tucker, but we couldn't even stop the run uh, when Jacob Slade was out. And so once you sort of we we've created a situation now where we have i mean i can go down the list sammy jackson butler um barrow harman i mean none of those guys are sub 290 which means that even 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 just based on that i think that stopping the run is going to be a lot easier obviously washington is down we don't wish injury on anybody but but washington is down their first string running back um i think i think that michael Penix is going to make us all tear our hair out uh, as is tradition, um, but I think I think that that Michigan State does gut it out uh, in in a game that that actually is is a lot stronger than than it looks because we'll have some late game shenanigans because God bless him, Mel Tucker is not good late in games. No, 
Uh, Lucas also has this one as a loss. Um, you know, to Asa, you brought up you brought up Lee Corso. Uh, to borrow another Corsoism, closer than the experts think. That, that's a loss, but closer than the experts think. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, the week following the Washington game, uh, Maryland rolls in to Spartan Stadium, the woodshed. Um, this, honestly, I think more, I think of any game on this schedule, um, this Maryland game is a must win for, for, for Mel Tucker. Uh, you know, obviously the Michigan game is going to carry elevated importance. Um, but in terms of just like establishing your standing within the big 10 East, as these, as these divisions may or may not be dissolving, it's important that you need to stay in that second tier of, of program. And you're not going to get there if you're losing to Maryland at home. This is probably the highest expectations Maryland football has had in, Jesus, I don't know, 20, 25 years. Um, and it's, it's imperative that you show that while you may be a step behind Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, you're still alone in that second tier of the Big Ten. Because if you don't, there's there's going to be there's going to be a lot more questions than answers. Yeah, um, I know Maryland was good last year, but I I don't think they return a lot, do they? Like, I mean, they return baby, they return baby Chua. Yeah, I feel like it's him, and then that's just kind of it, you know. Like, they lost, uh, they lost uh, Raheem Jarrett and Dante Demas, and I think Jacob Copeland too. So that's three of your top wide receivers. They lost both uh, Deontay Banks and Jacorian Bennett, uh, two of your NFL corners. Like, who's left out there? I, I mean, I, I guess I get that they're supposed to be good, but yes, this is at home, and this is just. I don't know. It should. I to me, this should be a win. I'm not really sure why people are projecting this one as a loss. I think they should win it. And I think they will win it. So I think the thing with Maryland, every every year we get a team that is recruiting out of their mind, um, and has hasn't put it together. But they they insist that this year is the year, right? And Maryland was okay last year. They were they were fine. They lose a ton, um, as Carter was mentioning. And but but they return a quarterback with a notable last name, um, and I think that's a lot of the reason why why people are speaking highly of Maryland is just it just seems like a team that will be successful much more than they will be successful. So, um, look, the, the the fact of the matter is is that either either you are a serious team with ambitions of you know beyond six and six, or you're not. And if you are, you win this game at home. And either you're a program who can handle these types of games, or you're not. Uh, if you are, you win this game and you win this game by, you know, 10 to 14. Uh, and if you're not, you lose. But this is this is sort of a bellwether game that you can sort of look at what this team is and what this program is. You know, D'Antonio, Coach D'Antonio used to, used to talk about program victories that weren't necessarily the biggest games, but they showed you what a program is. Well, this game is going to show you a lot about Mel Tucker's program. Not necessarily this team, but this program. Um, I'm very interested, and I, I I do think it's a win. I think it's four and zero, four and zero entering uh, October. Two. Wait, I might I might have my dates wrong. No, you're right. Okay, you're correct. Four. Um, 
you know, like like I said, this this is the program win. Um, honestly, my opinion of whether or not Mel Tucker can continue being employed as the head coach of Michigan State football after this year um, rests on the outcome of this game. This is a game he needs to win in order to prove that he has the program going in a positive direction. Otherwise, he's just he's Brady Hulk in green. Um, so week following on the road in Kinnick, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, I will, I will bet right now a healthy amount of money that Don Thomas is in attendance for this. <laughs> what, whatever the, I, I might have to go to like Bovada because the Vegas sports books took it off took it off the board like they do when when like Alabama plays Jacksonville State or whatever um you know Iowa Iowa kind of enters an interesting season uh their offensive coordinator has a <laughs> has a quota he has to hit so order funny. to remain employed so funny Funniest thing in college football this year, by far. Um, they add they add Cade McNamara, who, you know, was a was a very solid quarterback for a college football playoff team two years ago. Um, and Eric All, um, you know, ultimately, ultimately, I you know this I don't think this game is as important as the Maryland game. But I do think if they are, if they are three, if they're three and one, like they should be, um, walking into Kinnick and they walk out and they win, then I think that's a surefire sign that better times are ahead for the program. Where I think if they go in and they kind of they kind of poop their pants, and there's you know there's bad clock management, and you know someone doesn't do the wave or whatever, then that the program's still going to walk out with a lot of unknowns. So as much as Iowa as important to the, to the, um, to the long-term future of the program, I think as the Maryland game is important to the immediate future of the program, the Iowa game, I think is important to the um, long-term future of the program. Um, however, I don't think they come out of this one victorious. Iowa is coming into this season with some pretty big expectations. I think they're, if they're not the favorite to win the Big Ten West, they're very close to it. Um, they had a pretty good season last year. I think they were like a game away from being in the in the Big Ten championship game. Um, obviously, you know, that's just a, a, a quick steamrolling from whoever comes out of the East. That would have been Michigan. Uh, but this year they have they add Cade McNamara and they add Eric All. Those are good players. Um, I know Cade's dealing with a little bit of injury right now, but you know he's a guy who gave us a lot of problems two years ago. He, you know, outside of that game, he wasn't a guy who was slice and dice at quarterback, but he was that day. And uh, you know who knows maybe he's that again. But to me, the thing about Iowa that's noticeable is obviously we know how good they are on defense, and they're going to be that again. And here's something. Iowa has another white cornerback that's going to go to the NFL. 
Cooper DeJean, he might be even be a better prospect than uh, Riley Moss was. And Riley Moss was, I believe, an All-American last year. So for him to be a pretty big-time uh, uh, prospect like that is is interesting. And unfortunately, yeah, I think this is where the buck stops for Michigan State. I think Iowa's defense is going to be too good. Um, I think that they're going to just know what to do with Michigan State's offense. I think that uh, Spartan Dog is going to have a lot to say post-game about about uh, Jay Johnson's play calling in this one because I have a feeling that um, Kirk Ferentz and whoever whoever is their defensive coordinator, Chris Clark, is that his name? Yeah. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna, gonna make Jay. They're they're gonna they're gonna make the hamster they're gonna make the hamster running in Jay's brain die of exhaustion. It's gonna from be... him trying to out scheme them. They're gonna. They're gonna play a third high safety, and Jay is Jay's head's gonna explode like in scanners. <laughs> I'm just gonna go into a cover three, and that's just gonna be it. Yeah. Um. So, so first things first. Uh, as long as I'm alive, Phil Parker will be the defensive coordinator at Iowa. Um, there you go. If 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 you need to call it the Phil Parker Memorial, uh, defensive coordinator, eventually, you know, then then fine. But but to me, it's it's Phil Car- Parker forever. Um. So here's what I, I think. I think good teams go to to, to Kinnick and lose. Um, I think that that even even the best teams, like it is a really difficult environment to play well in. Um, and even when things are going well, it's 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 sometimes hard to get get things going in Kinnick. Um, but also, uh, Iowa is a weird team, right? Like they're 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 routinely one of the best defensive teams in the country and one of the worst offensive teams in the country. Um, that plays into Michigan State a little bit here. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the reality is, is that we are not a strong offensive team or a, a strong defensive team conceptually. So am I concerned that Cade McNamara is going to go for another 320 and three touchdowns? Um, not really, because Brian Ferentz would would collapse and 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 puke on the sideline if he ever allowed a quarterback to throw for 300 yards like he just wouldn't do it. So um, given the governor that is Brian Ferentz, I think that we all watch a game that Michigan State loses, and we all wish we didn't watch. Um, the game that I'm thinking of in my head, uh, there was a Red Box in, Bowl. Yeah, yeah, Red Box Bowl is a good one. Um, I was thinking about that 2012 uh, Iowa game that was like 13 to 12 or something. Um, it might have been Illinois. It was a horrendous game in 2012. Uh, it was raining that day. It was Iowa um, uh, for sure. So. So I, I, I think that that's, that's the type of game where we're all going to say to ourselves, you know what, I could have done something else with my day, and I would have been much better off. Uh, so so four and one uh, exiting, exiting Kinnick. Battered yeah. and bruised. Yeah, I just, plus the, game, the time hasn't been announced for that game yet, so it could very well be at night. I think they um, did. Didn't they say 3.30? Um, according to what I have up here, um, no time yet. So okay. that, that game reeks 11, uh, a noon game on ESPN too. Well, they're not on ESPN anymore. Oh, right. No, FS2. Yeah. yeah. Big 10, FS1, <laughs> uh, FS1, Big 10 network. Yeah. This is, this has, this has noon Big 10 network. Uh, I can hear the theme song now. I, 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 um, following a bye week, uh, in Piscataway, noon against um, against Rucker. They have not earned the S yet. Nope. They have not earned the S. Um, again, if you're a serious program, this is a game you win. 
Rutgers, I'm sorry, I'm no matter how many times Rutgers fans, uh, shout out to what's chopping. Um, no matter how many times, no matter how much Rutgers fans try to make Greg Shadow happen, it's never going to happen. Um, it's just if if kicking schools out of conferences ever becomes a trend, Rutgers is target number one with a bullet. So, you know, I just this is a game. This is a game you win if if you're if you're a serious program. If you're not a serious program, you go in there, poop your pants, lose. Michigan State wins this game. There's, that's it, man. It's Rutgers. They're not good. I believe their starting quarterback this year is going to be Gavin Wimsat. I think Michigan State made a run at him a couple of years ago, but he stinks. Greg Schiano's a bad coach, and I think he's going to get fired at the end of this season when Rutgers wins like three games. Um, and it should just, I, it's going to be tough because, you know, Rutgers always likes to be cheap and do Bush League stuff, and uh, it's going to be the same thing this year. It'll be, Remember how last year was like they scored on like a fourth and 20 or something like right at the end of the game. I think it's going to be probably close to that again. And uh, we're going to be a little annoyed with it, but I think Michigan state still wins and they're now five and one, I believe. So they're right at the Vegas, uh, Vegas win total projection. So, so, so I actually, I actually think this game is going to be really fun. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Piscataway. It's a great, great place to to bring in a game. Um, it's awful. It's the the camp the the stadium is not walkable from campus. Um, you have to take a bus. Uh, it is a horrendous place to watch games. But Rutgers fans are actually fairly nice in person because they've never had any ambition in anything um, sports related. I, although you know, shout out their basketball team. They, they're they're trying a little bit there. They 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 they've been doing some stuff, um, but I th- I think that this game is the type of game where we really we really like turn on the Jets of this season. And by this point, I think regardless of who ends up as the starting quarterback for the first couple of games, um, Kattenhauser is here. Uh, you know, this is game six. I think this is the game when Nathan Carter goes over a thousand yards on the season. This is this is when the vibes start start coalescing into okay, this we back. We are so back. We back. It, it was never Jovert. We are so back. Uh, five and one. Yeah. Um, you know, I I have them at four and two at this point. Lucas also has them at four and two at this point. Um, you know, he has them losing to Iowa as well and winning and winning this game. Um, then October twenty first um, at night um, versus Michigan. Um, I don't like this makes me physically sick to my stomach, but like, I don't see it's like Dr. Strange. Like I saw 14 million possible realities. I've seen like two in which, in which MSU, in which MSU pulls this game out. I just don't, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see it. I can't, I can't say the words, but I, I, I refuse to say the words, can't say it, but the, the winning outcome is going to be the team we may not want to win the game. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at. There will be two losses on the schedule at this point. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys something and, and I believe it. Um, 
I've been a fan of Michigan State since about, well, I was conscious in 1995. That's the first season I really remember was 97, but but I, I watched them in 1995. And I have gone into every single Michigan game in my entire life that I can remember saying, yeah, we got it. We'll, we're we're going to win this one. We're going to, why not us, right? Um, including, including to, to, to my knowledge, 2006, uh, which, which was probably the nadir of the, the, the John L. Smith and the, the apotheosis of the Lloyd Carr eras coalescing at once, because remember folks, Michigan's only good when Michigan state is not, you can write that down. Um, but I think that Michigan this year is in for a wild surprise. They are in for a fascinating year because guess what, guys? You don't just replace two tackles and a center on an offensive line and get better at running the ball. That's not how that works. You don't tear an Achilles and come back stronger. Um, there's a lot of assumptions going on in the Michigan in the Michigan ecosystem that things are going to be fine. Watch Ricky White drop 200 on their head again and lose to UNLV. Watch it happen. Um, I think that Michigan is in for a eight and four year, and I think one of their losses in addition to UNLV, will be against Michigan State. I love it. I love it. I can't beat you there. I just, I can't do it. Coast on that big brother, but I ain't mad at what you do. <laughs> I, I can't, I, I can't do it. Um, you know, it, it's as much as an indictment of, it's as much, and, and quick sidebar, okay? Uh, there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of former coaches rehabbing their image, okay, recently in in sports media. Uh, the most prominent one, the most immediate one, being uh, Urban Meyer uh, agreeing to agreeing to basically executive produce a documentary series called Swamp King Swamp Kings, and being like, we're just a bunch of good fellows who try hard, tried super hard. <laughs> Was I a little hard on him? Sure. But I went and coached in the NFL and I left voluntarily after 13 games. <laughs> and, and no, and, and look, murder is a very subjective term. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Newton never was enrolled at the University of Florida. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, the, the amount of things not mentioned in that documentary make the documentary not like you're not a documentary at that point. Like at, at a certain point, you are fiction by omission. And if you don't mention the words Cameron Newton in association with a documentary about Urban Meyer, Florida, what are you doing? Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet just because like I saw the things that they didn't talk about. And I'm like, well, there's no point in watching this. I want to get into the nitty gritty. And, it, and, and, and any, if they don't, then like. Yeah, exactly. And at any point, um. Michigan State fans, um, I think in the last few years, um, have done a lot of Mark D'Antonio's dirty work for him. Um, you know, he should probably have to get to produce. He should probably be forced to executive produce an eight-part uh, untold series about his time at MSU uh, before we're allowed to like fully forgive him because the the game last season was. Bully. I mean, if we're if we're breaking down fault here like an auto accident, it was like 33% Mel Tucker's fault, 66% Mark D'Antonio's fault. So, you know, I 
I don't know. I just I don't really see I don't really see how they how they win. I do think I do think Michigan is not the team that's gonna win the Big Ten East this year. I agree with you there, Asa. But I just I I can't imagine I can't imagine MSU winning. You know what? Fuck it. I will eat a piece of paper if Michigan if Michigan State beats Michigan in football. He's done it before. He'll do it again. I've done it before. He'll do it again. <laughs> um. So, following that game, Lucas also has them losing. Uh, following that game, uh, fellas, uh, has anyone checked the interest rates at the Fleck Bank? Probably not good. I imagine they're a little bit above industry standard. Uh, we go into Huntington Field, uh, and play the Golden Gophers. Um, <laughs> everyone remembers the classic that last year's game was, um, an unholy hass whooping. Uh, late November, late it's, it starts getting cold in Minnesota around Labor Day. So, who the fuck knows? Um, but, you know, I tend to... I tend to I tend to vote against against programs that currently have scandal and turmoil surrounding them. Uh, so I think MSU goes in there and wins this game. I do too. I think that there's a lot of kind of like Maryland, a lot of uncertainty with uh, with Minnesota. Um, Black's got some bad stuff going on with that program that came out recently. So I think their focus isn't going to be entirely on football this year. Um, they have a new quarterback. I don't know who it is because Tanner Morgan is done after 19 seasons. And uh, who, what's his name? Um, Mohamed Ibrahim, the Detroit Lions legend. He uh, just he's gone too. And uh, last year should never have gone the way it did. Uh, last year was really just the 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 worst impact we felt from not having uh, Henderson and Snow. And I think Jaden Reed had just gotten back from that game. Uh, so. It was it was a nightmare last year. Like Michigan State just got their ass kicked wire to wire in that one. I don't think that'll be the case this year. I think that they're definitely going to uh, rectify a lot of the horrible, avoidable errors and losses that happened last year. And I do think they win this game too because I don't understand. I don't understand where like this like seven and five, eight and four comes from with Minnesota. So I think Michigan State can do it. I got them at six and two at this point, and they're bowling. So. Um... Entering this game, my Michigan State Spartans are six and one. They are riding high. They feel good about themselves. And if I know anything about Halloween uh, and Michigan State Spartans, this is going to be an unholy, an unholy ass whooping that we are in for. Uh, yeah. The type of which that I don't fully understand, and we won't fully after understand after years of autopsy. Um, <laughs> like like that Kirk Cousins Iowa game where it's like we feel great, we lose thirty seven to twelve or whatever it was. Um, six. Th that 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 is what this feels to me. Uh, I I think this is going to be a bad game that I wish I didn't watch, but it's okay because six and two. Yes, sir. So I right. have them. I have them at five and three. Lucas has them at five and three. They are um, they are winning. So pretty good shape. Pretty good shape. Uh, next up, Nebraska. Uh, comes back to the woodshed after the classic in, in 2021 that I was there for. Um, I walked out of Spartan Stadium uh, 20 minutes before the punt return for a touchdown by Jane Reed because my scumbag friend, 
sent me a Snapchat of him with with his arm around my sister. So I said, no way in fuck that's happening and walked straight out into Harper's. So I did not get to see that in person, even though I had a ticket. Uh, but uh, this, you know, Matt Rule's first year, um, I think he's I think he's going to have something cooking. Uh, but Cupboard's a little bare. Uh, I think MSU should win this game pretty easily. I agree. I agree with all the things you said. Matt Rule, I mean, Matt Rule is going to do a great job at Nebraska. Um, he's done it everywhere he's been. Um, South Carolina. Obviously, it'd be, you know, beyond the Panthers. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I think that there's just not a lot there to work with this year. I think eventually he'll bring in the recruits uh, and get it done, but uh, not right now. Jeff Sims is a really good quarterback, and I feel like he's going to give us problems, though, because he's probably going to be a guy NFL scouts pay attention to. Um, but other than that, Michigan State should win this one at home, and we are at seven wins right now. Uh, Matt Rule, year one, is horrendous. Uh, he, he He's going to bring Nebraska to, like, one and 11. Uh, this is this is a, is a win and an easy one. Um, that, that brings us to seven and two, folks. Uh, Lucas also has this as a win. Um, we both have them at six and three. Going bowling. All right. Let's go. uh, going bowling. Uh, next up, uh, go to the horseshoe at night. Ohio State debuting all gray uniforms. Do we have I, to do this? <laughs> I went. I went on the Ohio podcast on the Big Banter Network, and my bone to pick with the host Eric Boggs was, um, what the hell is Ohio State's problem with us? Yeah. What the hell did we do? Yeah. We didn't do anything. We're the Rock Michigan school to hate. You shouldn't be hating us. Why are you beating the brakes off of us? We did nothing to deserve this. It's yeah. the, uh, it's the big, it's the big sav tweet where he says like Ryan day has constructed a, an Ohio state team that can beat Michigan state by a million, but always loses to Michigan. Like Ryan day, you son of a bitch. Uh, just keep it within 30 this year. Just try to keep it within 30. Uh, yeah. I think this is a, a great weekend for you to reconnect with loved ones. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, Eric asked me, what does success look like against Ohio state this year? And I said, uh, within three scores at halftime, whatever happens after that happens after that. But, you know, if we're within like reach punching distance at halftime, I'll consider that progress. Dude, if, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to once again do unholy things to this secondary. I mean, that's 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 a, that's the best wide receiver prospect we've seen in like I don't even know how long. Uh, and he went for like what, like. 203 touchdowns last year like at halftime or something yeah that's gonna happen again um i i would say that not allowing them to score on their first seven drives would be successful (laughs) yeah Uh, two two first half punts yeah or or turnovers or turnovers we're not greedy there's a new quarterback you never know that actually is a good point like Ohio State does not know who their quarterback is right now. Like, granted, it'll probably be some sort of death star of misery for us, but still. Could be five-star Devin Brown or, like, Kyle McCord. Who knows? Right. Five-star Devin Brown or very, very high four-star Kyle McCord. Yep. Sure. Great. Real real, real Sophie's choice. <laughs> um, Lucas also has us losing this game. Uh, so, I'm at 
Lucas and I are at six and four. Carter, you're at I think seven, seven and three. three. Yeah. Asa, you're at eight and two. No, I'm at seven and three. You're at seven and three also. That's right. You have us losing. Uh, you have us losing to Minnesota as well. Correct. Um, Indiana in Bloomington. Uh, fooled me, can't get fooled again, assholes. <laughs> well, we're gonna this is gonna be an unholy ass we'll put on the other end right god willing lock ross ells out of the stadium let's go let's get eight wins yeah uh you know bt had visited uh camp at Mich- camp at michigan state and i think it was jerry denardo mentioned how impressed he was that the entire coaching staff was active um, during during the special team session. That's not a good thing. They have no that's choice but to be. That's not a good thing. You sh- that's not should happen. As they say, it's the not what you want. Like... Oh. <laughs> uh, so, you know, easy win. Easy, easy, easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Give me that spittoon, Gator. Come home, spittoon. Yep. Miss you. Uh, Lucas also has us winning this game. So we are at Lucas and I are at seven and four. Uh, you guys are uh, eight and three. Eight and three. Eight eight and three. three. Uh, last game of the year, Black Friday at Ford Field um, against the Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, I have a confession to make. I am incredibly high on Penn State this year. I am incredibly, yeah. incredibly high on Penn State this year. I think they win the Big Ten East. I think they win the Big Ten. I think they go to the college football playoff. I think Drew Aller is the real deal. I have him going to New York. Um, I have him lifting the Heisman Trophy. Wow. I am a. I am nothing if not a that boy nice watcher. And folks, that boy nice. That boy nice. So, you know, not what you want to move this game indoor in a dome. Uh, but ultimately, it is what it is. Kowtow to the television gods. Um, lose this game respectively and be all right. Although, I have a feeling Frames uh, Janklin is going to want a little bit of revenge uh, for that time D'Antonio gave a carry to Brian Allen. So... Uh- Fact check here. That was Jack Allen. Jack Allen, excuse me. One of the Allens. And Ann Allen. Yeah, an Al- a member of the Allen family. Who probably wrestled in high school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Lucas and I both have these as, as wins. Uh, same. And for all the reasons that you said about uh, Penn State this year, it just makes me hate Frames Jenklin so much more because... Like, he really could do something special with this team, and I feel like he's going to he's going to frames Jinklin it up. Uh, Drew Aller, as you said, yes, absolutely phenomenal quarterback. He'll be an NFL guy in just a couple of years. There's a couple of good wide receivers. Their run game has an elite duo with Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. Their defense is going to be awesome again. I mean, Manny Diaz kicked our ass last year as a defensive coordinator. They got two – Not that uh, hard, but – I know. Got two uh, – NFL edge rushers and Chop Robinson and Abdul Carter. Uh, this team's great. And I absolutely think they could knock off Ohio State. I think they could give Michigan a scare. They could definitely be the representatives. I think, as you said, when they go to Ford Field, they'll be playing 
to get to uh, Indianapolis, uh, I don't have us winning this one. I don't think the thing is, is I don't think frames Janklin is going to frames Janklin it up against against us enough, and I think that we do drop it. I hate, and as you know, I don't like admitting a loss to frames Janklin. I don't like to do it, but it can be overcome by just how how much talent there is on this team. Um. Yeah, this this seems like a, another real great excuse to uh, spend a Friday afternoon um, not watching football. Um, you can you can do all sorts of things on on the Friday before uh, after Thanksgiving. So uh, you cool. can that you can you can watch the Egg Bowl. You can go to well, no Egg Bowl is usually on Thanksgiving, but but you can uh, you can go shopping. You can do all sorts of things. Uh, you can not watch this game, and and that is what I recommend, as it will be a loss. You can still be mad online that uh, about whatever happened the night before against Arizona in men's basketball. A very more uh, a very more likely scenario um, than than this. So uh, Asa had to leave. Uh, so you know, just wrapping up here. Uh, I have the Michigan State Spartans. So does Lucas. Lucas has them losing as well. Lucas and I have them at seven and five. Carter, Asa has them at eight and four. Carter, final thoughts. Uh, I think, you know, my expectations for this team are just get to a bowl game this year. This is just a year where you need to lick your wounds off last year and just find any sort of positive momentum you can. It's a very telling year for Mel Tucker and the staff. I mean, if if you come out in games like last year, if you come out non-competitive in a lot of them, that's going to be really, really telling of as uh, what who you are as a leader of men in a college program. Uh, but if you come, if you bounce back and you get to a bowl game, then there's at least something building there. Uh, that's what I have them as, and uh, I think that good things can happen. I very much think that this is such a it's it's it, there's so much ambiguity with this team because there's going to be a lot of youth that they're going to be relying on at some pretty important positions um and I, youth or and or inexperience when it comes to quarterback the wide receiver position the secondary uh those are really really important spots uh and you have to take down one of the big four that you play this year you have to take down you have to take down at least one and mine was washington i had them losing all the rest uh do you want to get into bold predictions did you? Yeah. Um, All right. You this... want me to read ours from last year? Yes, do it. Let's hear okay. it. Okay. So Maddie May was on our show last year for our season prediction. He had Trey Mosley having a breakout season becoming the dude. That feels a little bit more like it could happen this year than it, than it did last year. Mine was that Jaden Reed breaks Michigan State's single season wide receiver yardage record. That would uh, require having a competent quarterback. Unfortunately. And staying healthy, which he didn't. Um, yours was that Jaden Reed was a Heisman finalist. Again, same thing. <laughs> and uh, Lucas's was that Montori Foster Jr. is this year's unsung hero. Uh, I think he also was injured last year, so didn't really get a chance to to do that. I mean, shit, we could just carry Lucas's over. Yeah, so I think honestly, just, yeah. we could just roll it over. <laughs> you want to um, go? I yeah. Um, my bold prediction for this year. Um. How do I put this nicely? Um, my my bold prediction for this year um, is that um, 
one of the coordinators will try to walk and chew gum at the same time and uh, fall out of an open window at the top of Spart on top of Spartan Stadium. Is that a is that a metaphor for something? No, I'm being literal. <laughs> All righty. Well, I had two actually, if that's allowed. Yeah. So my first one is Michigan State. I don't know who, but Michigan State has two thousand yard receivers. I don't know who they're going to be. I imagine Trey Mosley would be one of them. I think kind of based on play style, Alante Brown could be the other just because he's going to be the guy who they throw the ball to on go routes. And uh, yeah, I think that, I think that the, the, here's the thing though. If, if you start Kim, Kim has clearly shown the confidence to push the ball down the field. So I think Michigan state is not going to lack, lack pushing the ball down the field. Uh, if you start Caton, that's a guy who obviously you trust in again to throw the ball down the field. So I do think Michigan state's passing attack will at least attempt to try to make the big plays and throw, you know, down the field and, 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 and have a strong passing attack. Although I do think they're going to run the ball a lot because the trenches are improved. There's better running backs on their roster, uh, that sort of thing. But I have Michigan state having two thousand yard receivers as my first one. I think that it's entirely possible for that to happen. They did, I mean, I know that they did it with, uh, Reed and uh, maybe actually they didn't with Nate with Naylor that year. I know Reed did, but I don't think Naylor did in 2021, but he got hurt. Uh, and then my other one is Michigan state's leading tackler this year is number 43 Malik Spencer. Ooh. I don't know how, I don't know if that's super bold, but I mean, I know Cal Halliday has been the guy the last couple of years, but I think Malik Spencer slides into that Xavier Henderson role. Um, I think that he is a, better athlete than Cal Halliday. Um, I think that the the IQ is going to come as he fills in sort of that Xavier Henderson role. And I think he's just going to have an absolute breakout season that uh, those who aren't paying attention are going to be surprised by. But I think we're not because we know how good Malik Spencer is. And I think, he, I think that he, in his sophomore year, has over 100 tackles, no doubt. Yeah, the, the problem with your prediction of having two receivers um, go over 1,000 receiving yards is um, that requires a play call other than uh, halfback dives and counters. Mm -hmm. So, uh, <laughs> um, I guess I'll be serious here. Uh, my bold prediction for this season is, is that whoever starts um, – my bold prediction for this season is that um, is that Malik Carr is the leader in receiving touchdowns on the team this season. Uh, I, you know, Stephen Brooks posted an article. Um, it was either today or yesterday um, about how they've been trying to um, they've been trying to get Malik Carr to quote unquote get it, um, and the everything out of out of the coaching staff is is that they got it is that he gets it so you know um we've been waiting for um another freak athlete another freak michigan state athlete to quote unquote get it um who appears looked who who from the outside looking in it appears as though they have he's gotten it uh based on based on his body shape and uh, and, his, and and how he's performing in some of these camps so 
you know, maybe maybe he has, and you know, maybe that really will bust Jay Johnson's playbook wide open. Yeah, I uh, I definitely think this is the year that he has to put it together. Uh, and I liked what, yeah, I liked what Steven said that uh, Malik Carr had all these, you know, very, very me first expectations of himself uh, coming in, but he's sort of uh, done away with those and he just kind of wants to improve himself as a player. And I think that, I think, I, I do think we see the best version of Malik Carr this season. Um, th- just the thing that I, I think about with this team is just how much better they're going to be on the offensive line, on the defensive line, and being able to run the football. They didn't have the offensive line or the ability to run the football last year. And I do think they are going to have both those things this year. I think Chris Kapilovich is uh, the way he builds offensive lines. I think it's finally starting to show through this year. They have depth at that position. uh, And uh, that is, and with guys like Nathan Carter, I don't think Nathan Carter will be uh, Kenneth Walker, but I don't also think he has to be because he has Jalen Berger and Jaron Mangum behind him to deal with those sort of things. And the fact that you've Carter and Mangum, you can run the ball in short yardage finally. Uh, and that is just something I think is a big deal. People smarter than me have, have said that Jacoby Winman moving back to linebacker is the right move back to his natural position. Uh, that's, you know what people smarter than me have said it. So I'll have to, I'm going to trust it. The biggest question I think is a secondary, and that's where it comes down to you have guys like Jaden Mangum and Malik Spencer and Dylan Tatum and Caleb Coley. Like those are all young guys who are really going to get their first real opportunity to contribute. Um, but those are talented defensive backs. I even think we'll see maybe some true freshman chance Rucker. Mel has not been afraid to play true freshman at defensive back. Uh, but these are talented guys. And whether this year's a trial by fire and they, use it to sort of get baptized by some of the big 10's best receivers, or they rise to the occasion early and you have yourself a, a good defensive back unit. I don't know, but I think with some of this young talent from especially the 2022 class, uh, finally getting that opportunity to, to play. I think that people are sort of underestimating that that is what could end up being the backbone of this team. Yeah. I mean, like I, like I've said before, um, I don't know what the fuck happened to me last season, but it's just like something, something broke me. I can't describe what, but something just broke me to the point where I can no longer, I can no longer believe, um, what I'm being told from the staff. They need to show me. Stuff. So again, and they haven't helped themselves, <laughs> you know, in the past, in the past six months, they have not. So this is this is this is what you gotta do. So you know, ultimately we'll see what happens, but I just I can't I I just we'll see. Um Lucas did send a second bold prediction. Um there's a little bit of overlap with yours. Um the running game bails us out more than the passing game this season. We finally see the work that Cap can do come to fruition. All right. I think we do that too. I think that happens too. Yeah. So because um, this is the best offensive line of the Mel Tucker era. The one in the one in 2021 with Kenneth Walker was not good. Remember they called Kenneth Walker the eraser? Yes. <laughs> I do. Uh so that's all I got. Um, you know, if you're if you're sad at the prospect of this upcoming season, um, I'll tell you this. 
um, you know, start looking at flights to Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, look at look at Carson Cooper's biceps, and tell me you're going to continue to be sad about Michigan State. New new Carson Cooper workout video dropped. We love a good summer summer empty gym hoop session video. Yep, I I love. I love D1 basketball players and NBA basketball players um, just absolutely getting work in at an LA fitness. Oh, yeah. What I live for is what I die for. The off season, the off season is a is a spring, eternal spring of optimism. Yep. A couple housekeeping items to wrap up here. Uh, shout out to Burke White of uh, Big Banter Zone, Off and Donned our Indiana basketball podcast for creating our new podcast graphic. It looks great. Cool. Thank you so much to Burke. Thank you. Um, other than that, that's all I got. Carter. Thank you. Asa. Thank you. Lucas. We missed you this week. Um, we'll be back soon. Uh, NFL, until next season time, preview. NFL season preview with our, with, with our friend blueprint Trev. That's right. Could we be any more wrong? Let's find out. Woo! Uh, Carter, go green. Go white.